Hi, everyone. I'm Larry Walsh, and welcome to Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry and business thought leaders about the trends shaping the world around us. The technology market is replete with entrepreneurs. The Silicon Valley is like the San Francisco of the gold rush era. You have people who flock there with great ideas, looking to hit the mother load and strike it rich overnight. Or at least that's what some people think happens out there. You know, being a tech entrepreneur isn't easy, whether you're a cloud, software, or hardware vendor, or you're an ingenious channel partner with a unique business model, building a business takes vision, planning, execution, and recovery from setbacks, and there will be many setbacks. While many tech ventures will find success, there's a special class of entrepreneurial companies out there called unicorns. They're startups with valuations greater than a billion dollars. This is a rarefied class and includes companies like Airbnb, Uber, Lyft, Tanium, Slack, Datto, C3IoT, Avant, and Symphony. Why aim for unicorn status? Well, it's the prize. If some unicorns go IPO, like Hadoop specialist Cloudera, which was valued at $1.9 billion before it went public, but is now worth more than $4 billion. Joining me on Pod 2112 is the creator of one of the hottest unicorns in the market, my old friend George Kurtz. He's the CEO and co-founder of CrowdStrike, a company that is literally reshaping and disrupting the way we think about endpoint security. This is George's second security venture. In 2004, he and his partners sold their company, Foundstone, to McAfee for $84 million. And until a few weeks ago, CrowdStrike was valued somewhere just north of a billion dollars. But in June, CrowdStrike took another round of funding, $200 million, bringing the total venture investment to over the past seven years to $450 million and increasing the company's valuation to $3 billion. Is it really all about money? Not necessarily, and I think George has a few thoughts on this, it, but money is what it takes in order to cultivate good technology ideas into successful ventures. So, George, let's start by, uh, you know, just a, you know, a background question, really, is that I, when I met you, you were you had just been a newly minted best-selling author, um, you were an entrepreneur, security executive, and, you know, you really did have it all. Um, why you know, even after going on to becoming a member of the McAfee executive team, why would you step out and take the risk of starting yet another company? Well, Larry, those were, uh, those were old days. They're probably a little bit more gray hair since then, but I think what's important to realize is uh, what myself and Dimitri Perovich, my co-founder, saw was a great opportunity in the endpoint security market space to, to really redefine it. And uh, my days at McAfee served me well, but it gave me a much better appreciation for really how challenged the endpoint security industry uh, is and was at the time uh, in terms of how they look at things. And to me, uh, the entire landscape from the legacy or what I call fossilized vendors was really focused on an on-premise solution driven by a SQL database. And to me, it looked a lot like Siebel as opposed to Salesforce. So we thought there was a great opportunity to redefine the entire market space by creating a cloud-based platform that allowed you, to, allowed you to deliver and manage endpoint security in a way that just hasn't been done before, and more importantly, provide much better efficacy and much better performance across the entire platform. Now, obviously, you saw a, a huge market opportunity here, but did you think that the, the CrowdStrike could become one of what they call the unicorns, that it had the potential of getting that billion-dollar-plus valuation from the start, or was, it, was that even a part of the original plan? 
Well, part of the original plan was let's get into business and let's create some really good technology that we'll like. And more importantly, let's focus on preventing the breach rather than just trying to focus on preventing malware. And that was a big challenge at the time. Uh, people were too focused on malware and not focused enough on preventing breaches. Uh, but when I look back on the 25 slides that were created uh, in our original funding round, not much has changed uh, in terms of the concepts and what we wanted to do other than we've been super successful at it. I think as an entrepreneur, when you get into it, uh, you never know how it's going to turn out. Um, I certainly uh, am happy betting on myself and others that were involved in it. I don't even think the term unicorn was around when we started the company. It might have been, but it wasn't certainly a common term. So we never got into it stating that we were going to start a billion-dollar company and it was going to be worth so much. For me, it's always been about how do we create value for customers? How do we keep them secure? And if we have happy, smiling customers, then lots of good things happen for the company. But this latest round, the two hundred million dollars, is catching a lot of attention because it it either you know it, it kind of puts you out of that range of an easy acquisition target, puts you more in a path towards an IPO. But you've already taken in something somewhere a little north of four hundred fifty million dollars in total, and you've had a couple of really big funding rounds before this. Is it is is it the idea behind it behind the company that draws that valuation, or is it the market opportunity that gets you to where you are today in terms of the interest in the market and the interest in investors? Well, the twenty five slides gets you money to start the company, and that's based upon reputation and vision. Uh, the two hundred million at three plus billion valuation, you have to have something behind it. What we have behind it is great technology, great team, and more importantly, great customers. And when you look at our financial performance and our growth, it's, it's off the charts. So that really drove a lot of the interest in CrowdStrike. I believe that there hasn't really been a breakout true platform company in security. There's never been something the likes of a ServiceNow or a Salesforce or a Workday. And certainly our investors, given what we've been able to do in terms of delivering on the, the, the real value of a platform, uh, which is one agent, multiple modules on top of it, uh, and the ability to monetize that has been borne out. So the investors that came in this round, uh, we were totally oversubscribed. We could have raised probably four or five hundred million, um, but we didn't. We kept it at two hundred, and essentially they're looking at CrowdStrike as being that breakout platform company that really hasn't existed in the security space to date. Yeah. What do you, you know, George? You know, we've talked about this over the years. Is that there's there seems to be a ceiling in security that there's not many companies, or actually, I think there's only one company that's actually broken through that three billion dollar in revenue mark, and the valuations don't actually go much higher than you know. I think what did McAfee sell for eight and a half back in 2011 when Intel bought them? What is it that keeps those? What is it that keeps those valuations down and keeps that revenue ceiling where it is? Well, the quality of revenue is really important in terms of driving multiples. If you look at a McAfee or a lot of the legacy uh, software vendors that are out there, where did they start? Well, they started on-premise, as we talked about, not a SaaS offering, and um, didn't really have that born-in-the-cloud uh, DNA. So when you look at something like uh, Siebel. Siebel was sold for about five and a half billion dollars in I think 2012. And then you look at Salesforce, uh, overall, uh, their market cap is say 80 billion. So there's a huge difference. And the reality is it's the technology and it's the quality of the revenue. Everything that we do at CrowdStrike uh, on the technology side is all subscription. We don't have a perpetual model. We don't have any 
extra uh, maintenance revenue streams. Every year we renew our customers and you look at renewal rates, uh, net retention rates, which is the ability to sell more to a customer and you just keep building on that revenue. So it's a much different revenue model uh, because it's all subscription, it's all delivered from the cloud and uh, it's also mostly focused on enterprise all the way down to SMB, uh, but it doesn't have a big consumer element to it and consumer revenue is actually valued differently and not as valuable as SMB and enterprise revenue. So you put all those together and that's why some of the, the legacy vendors uh, don't necessarily have the, the valuations of the up-and-comers like CrowdStrike. You talked about that, that 25 slide. I think you know, in a previous conversation you had said if you had 30 slides, you probably could have gotten $30 million to start off with. But did you actually, as a part of that, that initial pitch and that, that initial build idea, actually have scale in mind to the point of where you are today? Does, do you have to, did you have to conceive the growth in which you'd have to be opening offices, hiring staff, hiring developers, and continuing to push the envelope on all fronts? Well, I think when we looked at it, we first focused on technology scale. You can't build a cloud-native architecture without scale. And we did it by taking our time and really putting the effort and the dollars into building a true microservice API-driven architecture. So when we think about our cloud as opposed to a lot of our competitors, our cloud is built from the ground up to be a cloud offering. A lot of our competitors took COTS products that they built and just slam them into an Amazon instance and call it cloud. That really isn't cloud. So we first built ours to be able to handle the scale. Today we're over 125 billion events per day, uh, which is massive. It's more events in two days and Twitter has tweets in a year. So once we had that in place, then we looked at, well, how do we scale the business? And, you know, there's the people scaling in the offices, but probably more important than that is how do you scale the revenue model? And we've spent a lot of time in being able to create a very frictionless approach to uh, exposing our technology to a customer. Uh, we even have trials now. And then within our own um, Falcon application, we can let people try out other modules and let them experience the power of the Falcon platform. If they like it, they can license it and turn it on. So we can drive down the overall cost of sales and increase our cross-sell ac across our uh, customer base. In addition to building your organization and focusing on that, uh, that, um, the technology, you've also had to build your ecosystem. How, in terms of getting the growth you're, you're experiencing as well as the valuations you have, how important are your, your extended partnerships, those through your alliances as well as through your reseller channels? Oh, extremely important. There's no way that you're going to get to the revenue scale that we're at without having, number one, a, a great uh, reseller channel. We don't really sell direct. We have uh, a channel network and we work very closely with a lot of larger and smaller organizations that are out there. And it could be your traditional resellers to your non-traditional ones like Amazon. We're actually the only um, next-gen AV product that's actually listed in the Amazon market space, or marketplace. Um, so we're really excited about that. So number one is you have to invest in your channel. You have to invest in your resellers, um, managed service providers, other partners if you want to be successful. So if they're successful, you're successful. Uh, on the other side of the house, then you have to have the right technology relationships. One of the key things that we did early on is really focus on APIs. We're an API first company and allowing others to plug into our APIs and become part of the fabric of their, their security organization is very important. Uh, there's a lot of other technologies that are out there from a security perspective that, that customers are going to have and we don't solve every part of the security stack. We're endpoint, we don't do network, and 
identity and a bunch of other things, but we want to work well with all of those other technology providers. So I think that was really important early on to make the decision to realize that we wanted to create an open architecture, allow people to plug into the APIs, and we'll solve our part of the problem really, really well, and we'll work with others that solve other parts of the security puzzle. Yeah. You know, in addition to the partnerships, though, George, is that there's a lot of this that comes from you, and that one of the things I've always appreciated about you is that you're a charismatic guy, and you're a consummate front man for your, the companies you represent. Um, you've appeared on 60 Minutes, you've been in countless magazine articles, um, you've been involved in high-profile hacking investigations, and you, through that, you've also elevated the profile of your organizations, and at one point, I think I don't think I could have walked through an airport without seeing a CrowdStrike sign somewhere facing me telling me about what you do. How important is raising the profile of putting yourself out there on an individual as well as a corporate level to raise the profile and build that reputation of that, that market awareness to getting to where you are? Well, if you look at most companies led by a founder, uh, founder CEO, um, they're super passionate about what they do you know, whether it was Steve Jobs or Benioff at Salesforce or any number of folks that are out there, Bill Gates, right? Um, there, and I'm, I'm certainly not comparing myself to any of those folks, but you have to be passionate about your business and you have to be passionate about helping customers and really drive the company forward. Um, if most people realize all the challenges it took to start a company, you know, there's just so many obstacles, they, they would never do it. So I think you have to be a little bit crazy to start a company, but you also have to be really passionate. And that's what I am. So for me to go out there and be in a magazine article, or talk to uh, 60 Minutes or whatever it is, I mean, that's, that's great. That's fun. Um, but it's just part of what I do because myself and, and others in the company are so passionate about the problems that we're solving. And more importantly, how we're, we're really trying to change the industry. We're just, you know, lucky that we're in a situation where we can tell that story. And a lot of companies that are out there, uh, you know, they lose their founder and then they lose their way. So from my standpoint, it's great to be uh, part of the organization that I started and uh, we'll continue to push forward with, um, uh, you know, exposing what CrowdStrike can do uh, to customers. And I think in a, in a sea of a very, a competitive environment, a very noisy landscape, it's important to be able to articulate and tell your story in a way that's simple and shows the value to customers, and that's always what I try to do. Yeah. What, what about, you know, you talk about obstacles. What about avoiding distractions? Because one of the things that, that I've seen over the years is some really interesting ideas. They translate it into an entrepreneurial effort, a new company, and they fall flat because they try to do too much or they try to focus in on the wrong things. How do you avoid distraction? It's hard. You have to be able to say no, and you have to be very, very diligent in what you want to invest your time in. We spend a lot of time looking at the strategic objectives for our business. Uh, we have an offsite every year in September, October, really outline what we want to do in the following year. And then we organize all of our activities and all of our workloads and tasks and marketing and everything else around those objectives. And generally, if it doesn't really line up with one of the things that we think is really, really important, and not everything can be really, really important, um, but if it, doesn't if it doesn't line up around that, then we probably won't do it. And I think as a company, we've been very disciplined in those areas, not to stray outside of what we're really good at. And focusing on the endpoint, focusing on building the platform and not really deviating from that has now uh, shown itself 
in things like the Gartner reports, you know, where we clearly separated from our uh, next-gen competitors. Uh, Forrester, we're the only next-gen company that is a leader in both EDR and next-gen AV uh, because it's that focus that we brought to being really the best endpoint security provider in the market. You've got this new funding round. You're flush with cash. You got this great valuation. You're getting a lot of press and a lot of attention from customers. What comes next for CrowdStrike? And, and what advice would you give to an entrepreneur who not only wants to start a company but has aspirations to get into the point where you are? Well, you got to be a little bit crazy and a lot passionate, as I said earlier. And you really have to have a good idea. Um, but more importantly, you have to have a great team. And that's really what I think the key to success is. You have to surround yourself with people who can complement what you do well. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I can do really well. And there's a whole bunch of things that A, I'm either not good at or don't like doing. So I complement what I do with others who are really good at that. We've got uh, a very senior executive team and we spent the time and effort to recruit them uh, and nurture them. And I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs have great ideas, but they lack an execution because they just haven't spent the time to build that killer team. Um, you know, a, a C idea with A execution is going to beat an A idea with C execution. So uh, it's just the way it is. And I biggest thing that I can tell uh, an entrepreneur is certainly go after your passion, make sure you have the right team. And it's really all about persever perseverance because there's going to be so many obstacles in the way that you want to give up, but you can't. Then once you get that breakthrough, you have a tipping point, which is what we've seen at CrowdStrike where it just boom, it's tons of momentum and you become sort of the, the de facto standard of what people want in your respective area. Sage advice, George. You know, really good advice. Well, George, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much. And there you have it. You've found another reminder that unicorns aren't just a fabled animals in fairy tales by listening to us talk about what it takes to build a truly successful entrepreneurial business here on Pod2112, a production of the 2112 Group, a business research and strategy firm helping technology companies find better routes to market. Join us again next time when we talk with industry influencers and thought leaders about the trends shaping the world. For more information about 2112 services, email us at info at the2112group.com. And while you're at it, subscribe to Pod2112 on iTunes and Google Play. It's free and you'll never miss an episode. Thanks for joining. I'm Larry Walsh. 